This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. And welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am Elizabeth Hyman, and I'm here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Elizabeth. It's so good to be back today. I know. Um, we are so excited because today we get to talk with one of our friends, Priscilla Shire. You may have heard of her. <laughs> maybe. Maybe people have heard of her. Hey, Priscilla. Glad to have you on. Hey there. I'm so glad to have an opportunity to talk with you guys. Yes, and we've had you on before, but just as a reminder and just in case, you know, some people may be new to the world of of Lifeway Women Bible Studies, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and then also what God's been doing in your life and in your ministry in 2020. Absolutely. Well, um, I'm mostly just a girl who happens to raise some boys. (laughs) Um, I have three sons who... Man, when the Lord sort of began to take us on this journey and teaching God's Word and and ministry, my boys were so little, and now they are 18 and uh, 16 and and 12, and so it's been quite a journey with them, but that's my full-time job is feeding them, man. (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. I saw your oldest one. I think it was it's like either senior night at football or something like that. And okay. I thought he is he is towering above you. That's right. They're all giants now, like six foot two, six foot three inch tall giants in the house. And and then my husband and I have been married for twenty going on twenty one years or twenty two years now. And um, even the dog is male, so it's just me <laughs> and all these guys. And then um, in between trying to satisfy all their appetites and keep it uh, you know semi cleaned up around here, I also have the privilege to to minister um, our our ministry is primarily focused on ministry to women and so we do that through bible study resources through books and through conference ministry and online presence and um and then the lord has sort of added great surprises along the way where film became a part of ministry because that's what it is to me it's just another way to um, help to lead people into a relationship with jesus and so um it's been quite a ride that we've been on but it's been the adventure of a lifetime and i'm so grateful that the lord has sort of included our family in serving people. Well, we're really grateful as well. And we know we know that 2020 has been pretty hard for a lot of people. And um, your family has not been immune to some of the, just the hardship and the grief and loss of, of just really dear people in your life. So maybe you could tell us just a little bit about what the Lord has been teaching you about Himself in the midst of all the struggles. Absolutely. Well, you are correct. We, we have, of course, had the same um, sort of experience that everybody on the planet has had over the past year with the pandemic and what that has meant, the ripple effect of that, the isolation, the changes in plans um, that we have all had, um, even in regards to ministry and on the way that looks. So there have been many changes. And then, of course, here in the United States, the, the racial unrest, the um, civil unrest, I mean, it's just been kind of chaotic on so many fronts. Mm. Um, But then added to that, sort of layered on top of that, um, we sort of entered 2020 
uh, just having a sort of emotional startling um, because, you know, a year prior it started, uh, these sort of losses, one on top of the other. We've, we've actually, to date, in the past two years now, we've lost eight family members, um, wow. some of them in their 30s. I lost a, a cousin. She was the first one to pass away extremely suddenly. Um, Winter was my best friend, not just my cousin, but she was my best friend. And man, we, we had voicemails going back and forth earlier that day about the movie we were going to go see. That's what we would did. We would do together is dump one of our kids at the other one's house so that all the cousins could play together while we went to go see a movie together. Yeah. And so we had our plan to do that. And then her heart just stopped. I mean, it was just her time, but it was jolting for us. And the reality is that that started a series of what became a very devastating season for our family where we lost so many loved ones, aunts and uncles, uh, very close to us. Um, my grandfather passed away last December at the beginning of the month. And then my own mother passed away at the end of the month, last December. So um, December 2019. So uh, we entered into 2020, really just reeling underneath the, the emotional weight of all of those losses. Um, and then a week after my, my mother's funeral, I had to be admitted into the hospital um, to have a major surgery. I had to have the upper lobe of my left lung removed because of something um, troubling that they discovered there. And the only way to get it was to take my whole, the whole lobe of my lung out. So that yeah. was incredibly traumatic as well. And so, man, 2020 started like that for us. Um, and so pile on top of it, all of the things happening globally. And I know there are so many people that have stories, maybe not exactly like that, but similar, where it wasn't just that 2020 was so hard. It right. was that that was a trauma layered on top of all you know traumas that were already happening right. in people's lives. And what the Lord's been teaching me is that, in fact, I was reading this morning, John chapter 15 was my mother's life passage. Those first few verses where Jesus is saying to the disciples, abide in me and I will abide in you, and you will bear fruit to the extent that you abide in me. And I saw that um, in my family's life, even in my mother's life, that because she had spent so many years in good seasons cultivating and deepening a friendship with Jesus, that she was able to actually have peace and a sense of hopefulness, even in those last few weeks, she knew she was dying. And yet there was a calm, there was a composure, and there was an expectation of heaven. And so I've been taught and, and reminded more and more how when things are good, if we'll make sure we're cultivating a friendship with Jesus, when life turns, and it will for every single one of us in some form or fashion, the depth of our relationship with Jesus can, can carry us through even the most difficult times. That's really good. And I even heard this morning, I was reading something about mentoring and, and even the women in our lives who have gone ahead of us in different ways that we watch the way that they live. We watch the way that they are godly wives and godly mothers. But if we get the opportunity to even watch the way that they die, um, what an impact for all of us because they've shown us how to even end our lives well. And it sounds like your mom was, I mean, everything I know about your mom, just such an amazing woman. Yeah. Well, you are correct. And, I, and I'll tell you, probably, um, you know, and I've obviously learned many lessons from my mother throughout her lifetime, but probably one of the greatest lessons 
that she ever taught me was how to die. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to have that kind of peace and stability. I want to, even with tears rolling down my face as I loosen my grip on the things of earth that I love, the people that matter, even as I loosen that grip, I want to be able to have my eyes turned upward with a holy expectation that this is not the end, That's that right. Jesus is real and heaven is real. Yeah. Wow. Yes. I have watched some loved ones die this year as well, and I cannot agree more. Um, that is definitely something that has taught us. And I think, you know, as a world, we have seen more death this year than um, yeah. typical. And so that is such a powerful message to learn and, and just even in dying how to die well, um, which Mm -hmm. is something that, and, you know, be raised to life on the other side. Um, And I don't know, I have been just thinking through that a lot this year. And so you put to words so beautifully what I have not been able to yet. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that. Um, And I know that we're going to shift the conversation just a little bit because you have a new release coming out. Um, It's out this month. As, we're, as this is releasing, and it's called Elijah, Faith and Fire. And so we know, because we've kind of seen behind the scenes a little bit, how long this has been on your heart and your mind to study Elijah. And you've been working on this and studying the life of Elijah for years, but just have had to shelve it due to other projects and things going on. So can you just tell us, like, what drew you to study Elijah, this prophet of the Old Testament? Well, you know, honestly, the story sort of, the narrative of Elijah sort of became surfaced again for me when I was many years ago reading through the Bible in a year. Um, I don't even remember what year it was at this point, but I remember as I was reading through, there were several narratives that jumped out to me that I'd read before, I'd heard before, but there was just a newness on this. Their, um, the lessons and the principles that I was gleaning from their lives. Gideon was one of those. So the Bible study Gideon actually mm-hmm. was another one of those studies that was birthed during that year mm-hmm. that I was reading the Bible through. And Elijah was, was another one that just stood out to me. I was mesmerized and captivated, not only by Mount Carmel, which is mostly what we sort of you know remember at the top of the list of things that remind us of Elijah's narrative. But it wasn't just that. It was that I was intrigued by all the things that came before, that that if we only see the Mount Carmel experiences of the people whose lives we admire and miss all of the things that come before, we actually miss the crux of the story because there's something that has to build that person's faith, that has to fortify their prayer life, that has to give them a boldness and a a fervency that can sustain them when the Mount Carmels come. And that's what was intriguing to me. How is Priscilla going to be able to stand firm in the face of adverse um, antagonism um, from people that do not believe the same, from a culture that is increasingly godless? What will give me the kind of backbone that that I can stand alone, flat-footed, unashamed, unapologetic, about who the one true God is. And whatever did that for Elijah, that's what drew me. I want to know what was leading up to Mount Carmel that gave him that kind of um, spiritual fortification. Yeah, and along with that, why, you know, you just talked about, like, we have to prepare. And I feel like, um, and that's kind of what you talked about at the beginning as well, is just like, 
preparing, God prepared you for this year um, of struggles, of, you know, hardship by showing you how to abide in him. And so why do you think women in general, um, we tend to brush off the importance of preparation for whatever God is going to do in our lives. Um, We look at Elijah and God prepared him for Mount Carmel and our lives, what God is preparing us for is different from that. But what, why do you think that we tend to brush it off? And how have you seen God prepare you for your future? Well, the reason why I think we tend to brush it off is because preparation doesn't look like preparation when you're in the middle of it. All it looks like are mundane tasks that you have to be responsible for, that you have to be committed to. It just looks like regular daily assignments. So you keep showing up, but you're not seeing any fruit for the investment that you feel like you're putting in, whether it's emotional investment or whether it's a creative investment. You are, um, you know, you keep showing up at that boardroom table or at your the, the, the table of homeschool with your children or um, you keep writing even though the you know there's something's not published yet in the moment it, you don't know you're preparing for something yeah. all you know is you're doing what's in front of you today that can become discouraging because you don't know that mount carmel is coming so the thing is if elijah's and i'm so i'm referencing him in the in the old testament but also us if we Uh, do not see the sovereignty and providence of God and the stair step that today's obedience is going to give us toward what God and his sovereignty knows is coming, then we'll downgrade the significance of simple obedience in the things that God is asking us to do today. Because without those things, there is character that will not be developed and that will be needed on Mount Carmel. There is faith we won't have. There are relationships that we won't have in place. There's um, plain old flat out skill towards something mm-hmm. that we actually won't develop if, if we're not consistent and obedient to what God has called us to today. Man, and this is like a soapbox for me, Elizabeth, <laughs> you know, because you know, looking back from 20 some odd years of ministry, when, you know, nothing that has transpired in our ministry is something that I would have known was coming. Mm. I mean, nothing. But looking back, I can see how just doing the thing that was in front of me to do at 21 actually became the fodder for something at 28. And then doing the thing at 28 that I just was doing because it was what was in front of me to do at the time became exactly what was needed for the foundation for what God had planned at 33. I mean, man, the the list could go on and on about how just being faithful with the thing that was in front of me, and I certainly didn't do it perfectly. If I could go back and do it over, I would have been so much more committed to just being obedient to God where I was and not downplaying the significance of my time there because that actually provided the foundation for where God was taking me. I think that is such a great encouragement for women who, who kind of they have these dreams, or even you know, and they can be God-inspired dreams, um, but yet it's that long obedience in the same direction of just like you said, getting up and doing the thing that's right in front of you. And I think for women who, who sometimes we get stuck in the mundane that we we forget that that those things are holy and those things are um, a part of what God is doing to form us for. Like, like you said, the Mount Carmel. We don't know when the Mount Carmels are going to happen, right. um, but being prepared when it does um, and it takes is all that obedience. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes we don't know what the Mount Carmel is going to look like. So right. the things yeah. that we may think 
this has nothing to do with what I want to do um, may eventually become preparation for like in hindsight, you'll see that 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 is pre- that was preparing you for what God has called you to do. Um, and I know that's something that we tell women all the time when they come to us and they say, I want to, you know, write a Bible study or I want to teach um, on video. And we're just like, who are you teaching right now? What kind of Bible study are you doing right now? And um, I think that's so important. And yeah, like Kelly said, it's very encouraging to those women. That's right. That's right. And even beyond that picture of vocational ministry in that way, right? Um, we are all going to be called to this post of Mount Carmel mm-hmm. because Elijah's narrative is set during a time where the entire culture is turning its back on the one true God. Mm-hmm. Even those that are a part of the nation of Israel, the people of God have one foot set over here in idolatry, another foot set over here in the worship of God. There is this synchronistic society where they're trying to worship God, but they're trying to also keep their idols in place as a plan B. And so Elijah steps onto the scene at a time where not only is that being culturally accepted, but there is leadership in place that is now legalizing that idolatrous worship. So now it's, it is actually, you are unusual. You are one of the few rare, if you're going to stay true to the one, uh, to the one true God and the ways that he is set in place, you're going to be a rarity. You're going to be an anomaly. You're going to stick out like a sore thumb. That's who Elijah is. And that's what Mount Carmel is for him. He stands in this place, even though the people from the nation of Israel are on one side, side of him and the prophets of Baal on the other. So get the picture here. You've got people that are completely and verbally, um, conspicuously um, antagonistic to Yahweh. But on the other side, are not adverse to the truth of Yahweh. They're just sort of nominal and moderate in their faith. And in order to actually be who God has called him to be, he's got to not only be separate from the quote unquote world, but he's not, and even got to separate himself from people that are just nominally part of the, the nation of Israel. And he's going to ask you to choose who you go serve. And that is what the spirit of Elijah is. And listen, if that is not a picture of where our culture not only is, but is going to continually be headed, then I don't know what is. School student, university student, mother, father, wife, husband, single woman, single man, entrepreneur, ministry leader, for any of us to be able to um, stay committed to the truths of God, committed to holiness, committed to prayer, committed to integrity, to not water down or sugarcoat the singularity of Jesus Christ. That is going to require the spirit of Elijah to be upon us. And it is going to be something we're not going to be able to avoid in the cultural climate that we're in right now. Well, I think you you really just answered one of the questions we had was just the timing of this Bible yeah. study um, as it's coming out in 2021 and just, you know, how God, you know, orchestrated this time for this, you know, for this particular moment in, in history and um, continues that thought for a moment, Priscilla, of, you know, why, why now? Why do you feel like the Lord is just calling us to, to, to do this right now like why why now well i just think more than ever we have seen this clear view 
of sort of a tribalism where everybody's sort of choosing their group and they're sort of segmenting themselves away to this group and saying, I'm going with this group. This is what, you know, it, they're, they're not anti-Christian. It's just this, these are my people. And I'm choosing my people over necessarily what is most clearly the truth of God is represented in his word. That's something we're all going to have to be so, so careful about, whether it's political, whether it's denominational, whether it's racial, that we're going to have to be so, so careful that as Christians, um, we are choosing the truth of God, not the manipulated, massaged version that works for our group, but the actual true view of who Jesus is and who he has declared himself to be, that our allegiance has to be pledged to that truth over and above all else. And so right now, more than ever, we're having to make that distinction that while that means that I, um, it doesn't mean that I have to disassociate myself with my preferences or um, my identity or my race, or I don't have to distance myself from those things. Um, all of that creative genius of God is seen in the uniqueness of how he made me and the culture in which I was raised and um, the cultural expressions that I have or the, the, the personality that I have. Those things don't have to necessarily be quieted. It just means that above all else, my allegiance is pledged to the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if any sort of agendas begin to differ or turn away or not look like what is clearly who God is, then as Christians from all walks of life and all denominations and any political persuasion or racial background, we all have to decide that I am going with who God has declared himself to be over and above any of these other agendas. So true. Yes, agreed. And I think that one thing that kind of comes out of that is a lot of times we look at Elijah or we look at these Christian celebrities, um, quote unquote, Christian celebrities, or even family and friends that we know, and we may put them on a pedestal as perfect. And you kind of talked a little bit about this with um, the people at Mount Carmel who had these like plan B gods kind of. And so how ultimately, um, like we know that every human being will ultimately fail us. All of our like plan B gods, lowercase totally. g, will fail us. So how does our disappointment in these humans, and and I think a lot of us have experienced this recently, um, just with, you know, the explosion of uh, social media and just being more aware of what our um, these people are doing, we have been disappointed in humans. So how does that point us to the unfailing nature of Jesus and point us to worship him who has never failed us and will yeah. never fail us. Man, so many things crossed my mind as you were saying that. Um, <laughs> even this morning in my quiet time, um, I was asking the Lord to remind me that the the disappointments and frustrations that I have with the things of earth, which includes people, relationships that I'm in or people that I admire or whatever, yeah. the disappointments that I may have, um, that, I, that the Lord would show me that that he would give me his perspective to see that those disappointments and frustrations actually should become my cue to thank God for heaven, 
to thank him that the disappointment remind me this is not my home yeah. that that they they point me to the perfection of who Jesus is and my eternal reality with him so what i think the problem is is that we all seem to have an overrealized eschatology meaning that we want the things that are only true actually of heaven and our god we want those things to be true right now so we end up giving and placing an unrealistic expectation on our husbands on our children on our homes on our lives to look like this picture of perfection that things on earth cannot attain to and all of those discrepancies between our expectation of what we want it to look like and the reality, instead of making us mad, instead of that gap making us so frustration frustrated that we don't even want to get out of bed in the morning or get out of bed in the morning, we don't even want to try to keep up that relationship or we don't want to give that person any grace. Instead of that being our response, our response should be to turn our eyes to Jesus, to thank him so much for the reality that he is perfect, that he gives us his spirit to live within us so that we can have an extra measure of patience and grace toward those things, gentleness, self-discipline towards those things that are deficient in the realities of our earth. So it's so interesting that you said that because that's what the uh, the narratives of many of our Old Testament heroes remind us. Yes. All yeah. the people we put on pedestals, so many of their stories don't end well. You know, <laughs> Moses didn't get to the promised land and Gideon sort of turned south during his latter years. And Elijah, we find that the assignment that he gets from, from Yahweh after Mount Carmel, he doesn't follow through um, all the way. And he even struggles with depression and even wanting to, to die. So yeah. we see this guy depressed who was just a picture of, of faith and firmness. And so when we see our quote unquote heroes falter, yeah, we're disappointed, but we should remember that the same grace that God extended to us is the same grace by his spirit we can give to them. Yeah, and and I love that even when God met with Elijah after that in that in that desert, it was just not in this loud voice, but it was this whisper and it was hey, you know, I mean he just he gives him the grace yeah. and he gives him the assignment and I think even for for women who might be listening who feel like maybe they have fallen or maybe feel like hey, I I I can't get back up, that God is always going to give that second chance. That's right. That's right. And it, and it also is a healthy reminder. It's like, welcome to the club. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, anybody that we admire, and I admire people too from afar, who I enjoy their ministry or I enjoy their skill in whatever craft they're um, in, whether, whatever industry they're in, we can admire people, but it constantly reminds us to make sure we're not putting them up on a pedestal that honestly they never asked to be up on we're the ones that right. set them up on there and then we're disappointed when they fall off a pedestal that they did not ask for yeah. um so we have to be careful about that and i think that those disappointments sometimes just remind us to let those people march down off those pedestals and to remind uh, ourselves that the same grace that we require is the same grace they require so, so true. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we, we know that you've been on the podcast before, so you know that we are the Marked Podcast. And we usually ask the question about what has marked you in your walk with the Lord. But we want to just twist that just a little bit on this episode of just what about Elijah's story marked you has marked you in your walk with Christ? And maybe you've already kind of mentioned it, but let's just sum that up. 
Yeah. Well, honestly, there's one that was sort of a surprise for me. Um, right in the middle of Elijah's story, there's this, this guy that's sort of hidden underneath the spotlight of Elijah. His name is Obadiah. He's a different guy than the Obadiah, um, that, you know, from one of the other Old mm-hmm. Testament books of the Bible. This Obadiah, it works in the for the king, but he is also a guy who, as he is working for a pagan king, we find that he has also been hiding some of the prophets and Baal, prophet, I'm sorry, prophets of Yahweh, and preserving their life, making sure that they get bread and water and that they're sustained and kept um, kept hidden from Jezebel's tyranny. And so we see this guy who is working in a secular environment, and yet he is very strategically and proactively, intentionally preserving the presence of God um, within the 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 context of culture. And on one day, while he's doing his regular job that he's been asked to do, an assignment that his secular employer has given him, and it's a very mundane job, but on that day while he's doing it, he crosses paths with Elijah, and he's the bridge that brings Elijah to Ahab. He's the one that makes sure that they connect, and Mount Carmel happens on the hinge or on the 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 culmination of that meeting that has been set up with Obadiah. So it's really Obadiah that surprised me the most in this story, that there are so many of us that either think we need to be the Ahab, the king, the person in charge, Uh the employer, or we've got to be Elijah, the person in vocational ministry who's standing on a platform, standing on Mount Carmel with a microphone in his hand, calling down fire from heaven. But how many of us discount the value of the Obadiahs, Mm -hmm. the people that are just having integrity on their job, that are being responsible to the tasks at hand, that are responding to the emails, that are answering the phone, that are sending the mail, that are home from the kids, that are washing the dishes. It is to the extent that the Obadiahs are being faithful to what God has asked them to do, that the time comes that we built enough rapport with maybe even that secular employer because we've been so faithful and have had so much integrity and have been so excellent at our craft, whether it's in the arts or whether it's social justice or whatever we've been doing, we've done it so well that when the time comes to introduce that Ahab to Elijah, they trust our introduction because we have not downplayed the value of being just plain old flat out good at our job. And so that's that's awesome. of Of the story that really has imprinted me. I love that. And recently, my small group has been reading through Acts, and we just read, I believe it's Acts 11, um, about Barnabas and how he kind of did the same thing. And there was a a mention that I had just brushed past previously when reading through Acts, um, where it says Barnabas went and got Saul, because he was Saul at the time, and he worked with him for a year. And so Mm -hmm. Saul, and I was just like, I had never, like, that had never caught my attention before. But he just like was like, Saul, you're going to come and you're going to watch me do ministry and we're going to do it together for a whole year. And Barnabas, I mean, he made it in scripture just like Obadiah, but he's not somebody that we, I mean, he didn't write half the New Testament like Paul did. And so it's just thinking through that. And he just kind of was like, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to bring you along so that you can see what I'm doing. Um, And he was just, you know, a church planner essentially at that time. But he had the reputation as well of being an encourager. And so that's even why, you know, the young church allowed Saul to, who became Paul to be in their mm-hmm. lives is because of Barnabas's testimony. So that was just, 
uh, connection that I just made as you were talking, but it is so important that we just remember every role is important. Um, Mm -hmm. even if it's not, you know, on the stage or on Mount Carmel with the microphone. Um, and it's something that I think is encouraging to all of our women, wherever they are. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, that's going to be a good takeaway for me today, too, of just thinking through all people that I know and, and people who have been Obadiahs for me, and I want to be that for other people yeah. as well. Well, Priscilla, thank you so much for joining us today, and we are so excited about the study coming out, and it is out, and there's just a lot of things that are going to be happening around Elijah, so whether you're coming to one of Priscilla's events in 2021, or you're doing the Bible study, and there's going to be some online Bible study things, um, go to our show notes and you're going to be able to find and link to all of those things. And um, we just are praying for you, Priscilla. We're praying that 2021, that God is going to do some amazing, amazing things to you. And uh, we're grateful for you. We're, we really, really are. Yes. Well, listen, I thank you guys as well. And I appreciate you taking the time for this and, and the investment that you you all make in the lives of women. It's a big deal and we're so grateful. And I just too want to take an opportunity to invite everybody to join us in February. Um, yeah. Of course, we can do Elijah's study whenever, but in February, I will personally be leading women all over the globe through the study. And um, it's going to be fun because we're going to have, you know, opportunity to be on live together and chat about what we're studying or just have some fun together and being on live from people with people from all over the world as we talk about Elijah. That's going to be fun for all of us. So everybody's invited from any denomination, any background, any continent. You can sign up and we can do the study together starting mid-February. That's right. In fact, yeah, they can go to the show notes and they can find out how to sign up. Um, But it is going to, um, I think it's going to start February 16th. So they've got time to get their book and to sign up. Um, We've never done an online Bible study with a new study. And so this is really going to be exciting. So we hope that everybody will join us. And you can go to lifewaywomen.com slash Elijah OBS for online Bible studies. And we'll have a link in the show notes, but I just wanted to say that out loud just in case anybody um, is can't get to the show notes, but that's where it is. Sign Thanks, up. Elizabeth. I appreciate mm-hmm. you doing that. All right. Well, we hope that you will join us back here next week. And thank you for being a part of the Mark podcast. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.